Live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Yep, we're going to be here until 8 o'clock tonight. So come on down, pull up a seat, watch some hockey, basketball, baseball, all sorts of stuff on later this evening, including, oh, we didn't even get to this when we were talking about baseball. Maybe the best team in Los Angeles. The Angels in action later today against the Texas Rangers. God, Shohei Otani's freaking awesome. What a cool start to the year for the Anaheim Angels. But we don't have time for the Angels. They are not the headliner. Big Five is. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Should mention Adam Candy alongside. I think I did. Okay, so I laugh. I shouldn't laugh. Adam sent this over, and I have to say, Adam, you really buried the lead in the tweet that you sent me on this story, which you slugged, by the way, uh, maybe don't buy a $4,000 treadmill that eats children. The tweet you sent to me was one of a thread, and I scrolled all the way up to find one of the most horrifying and hilarious videos I have ever seen. I feel like I'm going to get punished for laughing at the video. But please explain. Come on. You have to click on the link to watch what I'm talking about. Please explain this because I'm going to show Angel too. I have tears welling up in my eyes because I'm trying so hard not to laugh at the footage that is this video. But please explain to our audience what exactly is happening here. I'm so. It's going to be hard for me to compose it. Uh, there is a 50-second video from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. This is this is a real government agency. And it says, stop using the Peloton Tread Plus. We all know Peloton from the uh, from the quarantine for COVID when everybody was buying $3,000 bikes to put in their homes. But the video I'm watching right now is of a toddler and his sister who are on the treadmill with no adult supervision. And the child at stop. the back, the young boy, is, is taking a giant inflatable ball and is putting it at the back of the treadmill. And he just keeps getting lower and lower and going farther and farther under until the tread just takes him like a piece of luggage and the thing drops on top of him. He is okay. He is alive, maybe emotionally scarred. But, uh, yeah, the, the government agency has said, please stop using this $4,000 treadmill because we have had, let me make sure I get the number correct, 39 incidents, including one death, Whoa. Serious risks to children for abrasions, fractures, and depth. In light of multiple reports of children being entrapped, pinned, or pulled under the rear roller, the CPSC urges consumers with children at home to stop using it immediately. Think the Report, watching it. <laughs> reports of a pet and objects being sucked underneath the Tread Plus also suggest possible harm to the user if the user loses balance as a result. Okay. So the, if it's a te- okay, like there's a lot to do this. Am I am I a bad person? If my immediate thought was, why are you allowing your young children to play on a treadmill unattended? Like I watched this video, and my immediate thought was, why are they playing on this by themselves? Also, it took a really long time for anybody to come and help this child, so I have no idea where the adults were. Period. But like my initial thought was like. Why are, are we recalling this? Because people are just not responsible enough to sit there and make sure that young children don't play with something they shouldn't be playing with? 
I feel like they're not responsible enough to manage their money because they bought a $4,000 treadmill to put in their house. And if you have that little regard for how you spend your money, you probably are not a person paying attention to the necessities of life, such as, how should I spend my money? Where is my son right now? Where is my daughter right now? Maybe they're together with my $4,000 treadmill, and maybe I'm so vain that I'm worried they're going to break my $4,000 treadmill, or maybe I'm worried that my child is going to get sucked under the thing and crack his head. Bro, I feel so bad for laughing. I, that kid's okay? You're going to tell me that kid's okay, right? Because I was laughing at it. Not like, not like chortling laughing, but like the painful laugh that I'm undergoing right now where I'm really trying hard not to laugh, and I know I shouldn't. He's okay, right? He's okay. The government might have gotten a little gory over the last few years, but not to the point where they send out a picture of a child dying under a treadmill to be like, you probably should stop using this one. Like, they gave you the PG-13 version. Okay. Number four. So I noted in the first hour um, that I did get, indeed, my microchip implanted into my uh, very small and soft deltoid. So I'm in, ready to go. Bill Gates, track the white blood cell count, take control of my body, do whatever you want to do. I'm in. Now, I will say, when I got vaccinated the first time, Adam, and I thought about this again when I got the second dose, I told my wife, I was like, you know, we're pretty lucky. Not that we were, like, skirting rules or anything like that. Had a couple scares where people around me, whether it was at work or something like that, had it and had to go home, get tested, do all that kind of stuff. But we never got it. You know, we never got it. Nobody in my immediate vicinity really got it. I had, a, again, a couple coworkers who did. But other than that, I, I felt like we were really lucky that we didn't get it. And I feel like all of that was thanks to me. I did that. I was very safe, right? Or is it because we're all overreacting and you're a bunch of pansies and I could have gone to an airport and not gotten it and you're all overreacting? You, sir, would be a great PGA Tour golfer. <laughs> you would fit very well out there with the elite of the elite, a tour where roughly 75 to 80 guys every year make a million dollars in earnings. I want to be in that category, by the way. I want to be where it's like I show up every week to an athletic event. I finish like 50th every single week, and I live a life of luxury. I'm just good forever. So dope, dude. Why right. would you ever want to win on the PGA Tour. That's a lot of pressure. I would never want to be a good golfer, dude. I would just want to be like a mundane top 50 guy. Just tell me what the cut line's going to be every week so I make sure I make something. Right. And I will happily shoot 10 shots off the lead. All good. Jordan Spieth yeah. looks like a nightmare like every weekend. He's so stressed out. And by the way, you get to play the first round Sunday morning. You tee off at like 7. You yep. get the rest of Sunday off. I'm out. No pressure. You play the round when nobody's on the course. You go cash that giant Happy Gilmore check for, like, 50 grand. Done. I'm good. But, uh, you know, it's it's not always that easy out on the PGA Tour. It's not just that simple. Um, a lot of resistance to what's going on out in society among the PGA Tour players. They sent out a memo this week strongly encouraging their players to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, why did they have to send that memo out? Uh, apparently, there has been some pushback. Among the players, they don't want to have to get the vaccine. They've been tested repeatedly. They've had to be tested multiple times per week in order to be able to continue playing. But turns out the PGA Tour is changing the rules. And they're saying now we're stopping our testing next month. Uh, if you don't want to get the vaccine, 
you're going to have to go get tested at your own expense. Probably not a pl uh, that big a challenge for most PGA Tour players. But if you have been vaccinated, you're clear. You can walk onto the course, go play your round. Uh, one quote from a PGA Tour player was the one that caught my eye. And it said, you know, we've been tested 60-plus times. We've been on public transportation. We've walked through the airport. Never gotten COVID. Oh, but now they're going to turn the screws on us. Now they're going to make it hard on us if we don't want to do it. You know, I f John, I feel like every person who's gotten COVID probably had like 60 times where they didn't get COVID also. <laughs> right. Right? And it was just the one time that they did get COVID that was kind of an issue. So I don't think you get any sort of badge of honor. You don't get to hang a banner at PGA Tour headquarters for I avoided COVID 60 times. Like, the whole idea is it's safety for everybody because it only takes one time. Yep. And you know what kind of stuck out to me? I think this player is just kind of being an ass because you, the comment that you read off, which is accurate, but then the piece follows it up in the next graph saying, the player said he would be more receptive to getting a shot if it was the Johnson & Johnson version. Like, just get the vaccine. Like, if you're open to getting it, then just go get it. Like, what are we doing? And you're also, so you you are pushing back on the vaccine, but you're open to the one that has a very rare but potentially serious side effect to it. Well, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, just because you don't want to get the needle in your arm twice, is that the deal? You just right. only want one shot instead of two? Yeah. I, God forbid we disturb your putting routine for three hours on a Monday. Number three. And so then you get the other side of this, right? Because we're not in the clear yet, especially when it comes to sporting events, right? Like, you got it. You're not going to be able to play. There's still health and safety protocols for a lot of these players. Case in point, Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine, their star, in health and safety protocols right now. Not going to play for the next about 10 days. So the Bulls, who are pushing for a play-in spot in the NBA, they might be screwed because one of their best players, if not their best player, is not going to be available. And we have seen multiple times already in baseball season. My Angels, for example, didn't get to watch them over the weekend because their twin series gets postponed because of positive tests within the Twins organization. You have to be able to keep it tight if you're not going to be vaccinated, and yet there's still some reluctance to get vaccinated, which I'll never push back on anybody who doesn't want to for, like, legitimate, like, hey, they push this pretty quickly, don't know if I trust the science behind it, the Johnson & Johnson thing makes me nervous. Totally get that. But if you're going to start to get pissed, right, because, hey, man, we're playing these games shorthanded. You know, like, you got to do something. Either button it up, taking care of it, or go get vaccinated. We spent Thursday's show, by the way, talking about the first part of what you just said. We spent Thursday's show going through that absolutely world-beating Dr. Fauci and Marshawn Lynch video where they talk through other concerns that some people have about the vaccine and why they wouldn't get it. And you know what? I learned. I learned, and I learned, and I learned by listening, and I learned by listening both to Dr. Fauci and to Marshawn. By the way, uh, Adam, really quickly, I had those concerns myself too. By the way, like before I went to go get it, did enough research and was comfortable enough to do so. So it's okay. I should put out there to have those concerns. Right. Oh, I and I took that from what you were saying as well. So now we, you know, we hear about it from a place like Major League Baseball, where you, you hear from Lance McCullers from the Astros, who says. He doesn't think it was fair that his team was asked to go out and play shorthanded. 
because they've had a COVID issue within the Houston organization as well. They'd lost Jordan Alvarez. They'd lost Jose Altuve. And he felt like it was unfair that they had to go play shorthanded. Now, to be fair, the Astros had enough players on their taxi squad to be able to fill out a roster for the game. And Major League Baseball has been clear not just this season but last. As long as we're not concerned that by playing we're going to make an outbreak worse, that for competitive reasons, we got to go out there and play the games. If it's yeah. safe to play, we got to go out there and play. And here's the thing, guys. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. If you want to be averse to the vaccine for your own personal reasons, fine. But then you can't complain when you got to go play the game because you are part of the reason that the rules are what they are. Major League Baseball has set the threshold at 85%. If 85% of your team is vaccinated, you can get out of all the COVID protocols. And yet there are a number of teams, John, that are concerned that they're not going to reach that number. Really? There are a number. That article that I sent you says there are a number of teams that don't know that they're going to get to 85% because of differing beliefs, because of differing views, because of differing ways of handling how they're pushing players to do it or to not do it. Yeah. And so my feeling on it is if you are going to complain about the way the rules are, there is one very clear way out of that. You have to go get the vaccine. And it's not just for you. It's not just for your team. It's for everybody out there. Number two. So we didn't get to touch on this with you, uh, Adam, but I, I did want to get your thoughts on it. News today in the world of college hoops, Chet Holmgren. Yeah, we kind of all expected it, but it is now official. Uh, the number one prospect in the country is officially a Gonzaga Bulldog. Revealed a just awful custom T-shirt at his announcement today with him and, like, you know, three different versions of him in, like, a Gonzaga Bulldogs uniform. Regardless, outside of the shirt selection, the spindly, we'll call him 75-pound seven-footer, is now going to be a Gonzaga Bulldog. Your thoughts? Finally, college basketball player I can relate to. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I, showed look, An, I showed Angel his picture. Angel, I was like, dude, look at this guy. He's a shot-blocking machine, but he's like 75 pounds soaking wet. He's someone who stands up for all of us. For are all you, of us. Are you bean poles? For all of us bean poles, Chet Holmgren is a man for our seasons. He is seven foot one. would easily get lifted away in a stiff Las Vegas breeze like we're having today. But I will give him this. I watched a couple of hype videos on Chet Holmgren, and I'm impressed that the kid actually has both a little bit of handle, three-point shot, but what I wanted to see was the first time he took it to the hole, he actually took a reasonable amount of contact and, yep. and was able to finish. Now, next year, that's going to be a little different story. I think Mark Few is going to basically spend the entire summer with this kid, uh, you know, feeding him high, high levels of protein and getting him in the weight room. But very impressive that for the first time ever, Gonzaga gets a number one overall recruit. I think they're going to be fine. I think Something that now. I think there was uh, right Steve and Adam and a lot of people were getting up in our Twitch. I thought like I think there was like five people total who were playing the whole hey Gonzaga mid major garbage. There weren't that many people. I think a lot of us know if you watch college hoops how good the program is and how dominant it is. But if you did think like man, never know when the Zag is going to get here again. Uh, they're the favorite to win it next year, and they just got the number one overall prospect. I think they're going to be fine. They also have 
two more top 100 kids coming in. They got Drew Timmy coming back. You have to understand something about Gonzaga at this point. We've been living with them for so long as a, air quotes, mid-major from a conference that nobody pays much attention to outside of this part of the, the country. And we still look at them as this plucky program. No, Mark Few built a power. Mark Few did what nobody else has been able to do. He built a blue blood. And this is the first time with Jalen Suggs coming in that they had a guy in the top five. Now they've gone to having the number one overall pick. Like, they're at the point where they are a legitimate blue blood program, and you don't have to worry about who's coming in next year. Yep. I'm attorney Matt Hoffman with Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Hi, Matt. Number one. Number one. Why does Matt always get intrusive like that? Like, Justin Watkins would never do that. My backup, bro. So the news uh, out of the NFL outside of draft stuff, Adam. Coming out early today, Deshaun Watson lawyer files response to the 22 lawsuits against the Texans quarterback. The filing by uh, Houston area lawyer Rusty Harden comes after two judges ruled earlier this month that the women suing Watson had to replead and identify themselves. And uh, as a result, looks like Monday's response claims that in the days since learning the identities of Watson's accusers, his legal team has, quote, uncovered evidence that numerous allegations in the cases against Watson are, quote, simply not true or accurate. Look, we still have a long way to go with this. Obviously, we still know next to nothing about what has happened between Watson and his accusers in all of these lawsuits. This is a step forward in the right direction. feel like it's honest to update the case and where it's at if anybody hasn't seen it. But I also have seen a lot of, why doesn't anybody talk about it? Because you, you just don't know what you can talk about. There's nothing available out there. There's one more step here today. But what can we add other than this is what happened today, and now we're still waiting for more answers. I very honestly told Justin Watkins the last time we talked about this story during his segment on this show that I could not understand much of anything about this case. And this is what we spend our time following, right? Like, especially the last 20 years or so, we've spent a lot of time talking about legal issues in the sports system. But I honestly, the more I've read about this story, the more I hear every time a lawyer speaks... I understand less about where the story is and where it's going. And so how can we talk about it? We don't understand what the lawyers really think. We don't understand who really has done what. And I end up feeling dirtier and dirtier the more I read about this story. Because in the end, one of two things happened, right? One of two things. I'm not saying it's a complete, you know, black and white story. But, like, one of two things happened. Either Deshaun Watson really did have sexual misconduct with a number of women, or a lot of this is made up and they're coming after Deshaun Watson. And either way this ends, it's terrible. Hanging at Bar Canada inside the D, it's Cofield and Company. Yeah, you heard of EGK, by the way, playing a game tonight. Pretty he- uh, pretty heavy favorite against San Jose Sharks. Dave Shane's going to be with us in a couple of minutes. We're going to discuss everything the Knights need to do to get the hot streak going tonight against San Jose. Adam Candy's alongside. JVT filling in for Steve Cofield today. So I, I bought in. Hook, line, sinker. As a good American, didn't want to cheat. So I spent my hard-earned dollars and bought the Jake Paul and Ben Ashkin fight. 
watched Ben Askren walk in there with his dad bod get knocked down and finished in the first round. Now there's questions about the stoppage. We talked about the serious boxing aspect of this, right, Adam? You know, boxing dead, they deserve it, all that kind of stuff. Now let's talk about the nightmare that was the actual production itself. Oh, my God. I have no idea what I was watching at times. From Oscar De La Hoya slurring his words and screaming at the top of his lungs half the time. Pete Davidson, who I guess is talented. I'm not saying that as a slight. I just don't – I'm not really familiar with his work. So, like, he appears in a lot of stuff, and at times the things I have seen are funny. But I think people are saying he was the highlight of the night. I will let you decide for yourself, Adam. Here was an interview with him outside of the locker rooms. He was a reporter for the locker rooms, and here's what he had to give us. You could tell how professional this event is by uh, them having me here. Uh, we are backstage at Jake Paul's dressing room, or locker room, if you want to call it that. And, uh, you know, today's a really wild day for boxing because it just shows, you know, how low it's truly sunk. Uh, I think today proves the fact that if you have enough followers, you can truly do whatever you want. I mean, maybe PewDiePie will cure cancer and Charlie D'Amelio will become a surgeon. Uh, who knows? Tonight, we have a bout between uh, Ben Askren, who I don't know who that is still, and I've been uh, reading up on him all week, and Jake Paul. And, uh, you know, they both suck, but, you know, at least somebody's going to get hurt. Now, back to you guys in the booth. Uh, some real announcers over there. <laughs> oh, it was good, huh? At the point where we just break it all down and be real with people, at least somebody's going to get hurt. That's why we're here, right? So can I tell you what was, a, what was a microcosm of the night? They showed the table where they had all of the, like, the analysts, right? And it was like a really long table. They had like six guys up there at one point, right? Outside of Snoop Dogg again after Jake Paul knocked out Ben Askren screaming, give me my mother bleeping money because I guess he had bet on Paul. <laughs> I like DraftKings or whatever. They show Al Bernstein, and they're like, color commentator Albert Al Bernstein, who is a professional, who's awesome in terms of analyzing boxing. He's one of the smartest minds I have known discuss this sport and have heard discuss this sport. And then Pete Davidson leans into the camera shot and blows what I can only assume is marijuana smoke right in Al Bernstein's face just to get in the shot. It was such a nightmare. I have, from a quality of broadcast standpoint, they had like a camera, but like it was like looking at the fight between the ropes. They had the ref with a camera on, but it wasn't really working at all times. It was a nightmare, and I think I would do it again. If, uh, if he's a YouTube sensation, you had to shoot it like a YouTube video. <laughs> all right. VGK, we'll keep it rolling. Dave Shane's going to be with us, so we are live from Bar Canada. We're here to watch the Knights play later tonight. We'll see if they can keep it rolling when Dave joins us next. Cofield and Company is back. It's very dramatic. Bar Canada is the spot. John Von Tobel, Adam Candy filling in for one Steve Cofield. He's not here. With us now, Dave Shane, Las Vegas View Journal, Vegas Gold Knights, NHL writer for the RJ as well, and apparently. The quiz master of 72, Whooping Cough Lane. I do that thing where I get caught reading the bio. What's up, David? <laughs> I'm good. How about you? That's from uh, Remote Control, the old uh, MTV uh, TV show. I got nothing. 
I don't know. What I was is. I was giving you an opportunity yeah, there I don't because know. I loved remote control. I was going to say Adam's look. The look on Adam's face was he understands that reference. I was struggling. I was going back in the box and I couldn't do it. I had to leave you out there. Uh, <laughs> I had to leave you out there hanging to see what would happen. All right, let's get to some hockey talk here, Dave. Uh, San Jose Sharks coming in to take on the Vegas Golden Knights tonight, and let's get to what probably is the real like newsy story of this day. And Patrick Marlowe, uh, who has the greatest birthday in all of the 365 days on September 15th, uh, is going to celebrate breaking one of what we thought was probably one of the unbreakable records in all of hockey with Gordie Howe's games played. Uh, he's 41 years old. Um, what has Patrick Marlowe said about breaking this record uh, coming in tonight? I mean, it was really interesting just to hear him this morning, uh, just how emotional he was. Uh, you know, even even a question from, uh, you know, local writer Willie Ramirez, you know, kind of broke him up. He, he had mentioned, you know, sort of the respect that Patrick Marlowe, you know, sort of, you know, has around the league and what, you know, the recognition that this, you know, uh, achievement, I guess, has, has garnered. And, and more than anything, is just, like you said, that nobody thought it would be touchable. Nobody thought it would be breakable. And, ah, yeah, you can get into the whole, like, you know, Gordie Howe played 400-plus games in the WHA and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I mean, I was thinking about this. I was a senior in college. I was, like, barely able to drink when Patrick Marlowe was coming into the league. And it's actually really funny that you mention his birthday because uh, a former colleague of mine and Curtis Pashelka, who covers the Sharks up in the Bay Area, had a really cool story and a little anecdote in there that Patrick Marlowe's birthday, had it been one day later, he would have been eligible for the next year's draft. He made that draft by one year. So all of this, there's like some weird kind of serendipity a little bit here with how it's all worked out and the timing and staying healthy and, and just everything that, that he's you know done to get to this point, really. And we look at this San Jose team that he's playing for now, and, you know, he's 41 years old. The window is probably not going to open again for San Jose before uh, he decides to hang it up. And the Golden Knights have done a really good job of late of taking care of those teams at the bottom of the division. They win the four games in Southern California on the road trip. Right now, with the Sharks coming in tonight, are we at a high watermark with how the Vegas Golden Knights have played this year? I mean, they definitely seem to be peaking. They're definitely at the point where you, you, know, you want to be playing going into the playoffs. Uh, I think they've still got you know, some injuries that, that maybe there's a little bit more in them. I still think somebody like Alex Petrangelo is going to elevate his game, you know, over the next handful of weeks here and, and going into the playoffs. It's just the time of year that he thrives on. He's just a playoff-type guy. I think he's been pretty open about the fact that he struggled a little bit this year. Uh, Pete DeBoer talked about how he's still getting the chances and just the goals haven't gone in. It's a little puck luck and all those sorts of things. But, but I, I, I kind of feel like in – you know, we, we at the, the Review Journal did a podcast with Alex Petrangelo. I'll plug that a little bit, shamelessly. Uh, and, and he talked about that, that, you know, just he's a playoff guy and, and looking forward to it. So as, as well as they're playing right now and kind of feasting on the teams and the schedule that they need to beat, uh, I mean, it's, let's be frank, it's Arizona, uh, it's Los Angeles, it's Anaheim, it's teams on the bottom uh, end of the, uh, of the division and San Jose as well. So kudos to the Golden Knights that they haven't dropped points. But I still think there's even a little bit of room 
you know, going forward for them to, you know, continue to play well and maybe even turn it up, you know, maybe one more notch. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say that they got much more in them, but I think there's a little bit in there. We'll see if they can turn it up to 11 uh, starting tonight when there you go. on the Final Sharks, path. right? See, let's play in that old pool, right, where you, you said you went with remote control. I'll go with Spinal Tap, and uh, we'll meet somewhere around, I guess, 1985. So, <laughs> there you go. So right now, the Golden Knights, uh, despite the Avalanche having a game in hand, are tied at the top of the division. How important do you think it is for the Golden Knights to get the number one seed and to play either the Coyotes or Blues, who are most likely to finish in that number four spot, instead of getting the Wild in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important in the sense that they've obviously struggled with the Wild. If they can avoid it, you, you want to avoid it. You want the easiest easiest path possible. I, I think, you know, it, it, it would be interesting if they got Arizona or if they got St. Louis, and then depending on how, how St. Louis is playing, if they come in with a head of steam, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe at that point you're you're better off playing a Wild team that doesn't quite have as you know much Stanley Cup playoff experience and, you know, cups in that locker room and all those sorts of things that St. Louis would have. Either way, you're going to have to go through some really good teams. I mean, like we just talked about, they've, I think it's 26 5 and 1 that, that they are against the bottom five teams in the uh, West Division. I always say Pacific, but it's the West Division now. But those teams are obviously not the teams that they're going to play for the most part in the playoffs. Either way, they're going to have to go through somebody good and then probably Colorado after that. So it's a tough path coming out of the division, even though maybe it's not the strongest division top to bottom. And I think any time you can you know, minimize that, have an easier path. If, if Arizona sneaks in and the Golden Knights are the first seed, I, I obviously would much rather play Arizona than Minnesota in the first round if I was the Knights. David Shane from the Review Journal talking a little Golden Knights hockey with us in anticipation of the Knights playing the Sharks at T-Mobile tonight. Uh, get down to Bar Canada at the D where you can take in all of the hockey action. Uh, Dave, we talked about this Colorado team a minute ago and the fact that it's, it's going to be a challenge to play Colorado. We've seen it all year long. The Golden Knights still have a couple games left against the Avalanche who are in a COVID pause right now. When I go and look through the advanced analytics on the Avalanche, the run they're on right now, last 10 games, but even going back like the last 25 that uh, that I was looking at, the metrics on them are so far ahead of even the number two and number three teams that include the Golden Knights in a lot of categories that you start asking yourself, like, how good is this Avalanche team when healthy? So you've seen them up close uh, a few times this year. Are they really head and shoulders above everybody else in the conference? I mean, I don't know about head and shoulders. I think they're the team to beat. I think that's fair to say. I don't think that's necessarily a slight on the Golden Knights or anything like that. I think when they're healthy, top to bottom, you know, the the biggest difference that I think we saw, you know, so far in the six games, and the Knights have done well, but the games that the Avalanche have won and have sort of imposed their will, it's been that bottom six especially. You know, a guy like Pierre Edward Belmer, you know, obviously played for the for the Knights for a couple of years. He's he's been a thorn in their side. A guy like Jonas Donskoy on the third line. You know, it's a deep team that the Avalanche have. And then the other thing too is that they had talked about in the, the two game series in Colorado is how mobile that the Avalanche defense is. And when the Golden Knights excuse me are trying to get in on the four check and dumping the puck in if they're not able to get a body on them, if they're not able to 
slow them down. They're kind of, you know, one-man breakouts in a lot of ways. A guy like Samuel Gerrard, a guy like Kale McCart, they can just pick up the puck in the corner and kind of break it out themselves, go with it and, and create a chance off the rush. Or really the other thing, too, is transition off turnovers. The Golden Knights make a turnover at the offensive blue line. Avalanche seem to just, boom, go the other way. So there's a lot of problems that, that they present. They're certainly formidable. I think a lot of the stats maybe in some way are, are similar to like the Golden Knights where, you know, they're doing that against the Kings and the Sharks and the Ducks and, you know, some of the teams that are on the lower end of the league. So maybe it's a little bit skewed in that way, but I do think they're formidable. And then the other thing, too, that they have, that the Golden Knights just, it feels like that's the one piece that's missing. As good as Max Pacioretty is, as good as Mark Stone is, they don't have a Nathan McKinnon. They don't have a Miko Rantman. And and if it gets down to those close games, you hope, if you're a Golden Knights fan, that those guys aren't difference makers and that maybe Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty can be. No, in the way that a McKinnon or a Rantanen is a one-man wrecking crew, is the kind of guy that you know can you know do what Nathan McKinnon did in the Tahoe game and get uh, Alex Petrangelo into that oh boy moment, which I know you talked to him about <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, so you know, go check that out uh, at ReviewJournal.com. Um, so as we look at the matchup between the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, I'll I'll finish here with this. You talk about that bottom six. The bottom six for the Golden Knights has looked better um, with Yanmark included, and I'm not saying because of Reeves not being there, but with some other players plugged in, Tomas Nosek uh, sort of stepping forward here. Do you feel like right now, I do, I think it's about the best I've seen the bottom six for the Golden Knights play this year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think they have some guys that are playing well right now. I mean, I, th- I think they've done a good job temporarily. I mean... You know, nothing against Tomas Yurko, but I don't think, you know, he's a long-term answer going into the playoffs on the fourth line. And I'm going to actually throw another name in in the mix here because Kelly McCrimmon was asked about this by, you know, Steve Karp, uh, you know, one of the local writers from Simbin and, you know, Gaming Today formerly and the Review Journal as well, uh, about Peyton Krebs. And I don't think, and Kelly McCrimmon said this as well, I don't think it's unfair to sort of think about Peyton Krebs and maybe where does he fit in, you know, in all of this as well. I, it'll be something, you know, we don't know as far as Keegan Colasar, he's going to be out tonight. You know, once he comes back into the mix and, and where they, you know, slot him. And then Ryan Reeves is obviously on long-term IR. And I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm certainly not an apologist for Ryan Reeves, but I'm certainly not in the, the camp where I'm going to bash him. I, I I'm, Maybe I'm a little bit of an old-school knuckle-dragger, I guess, in this sense of a fourth line. I feel like it's kind of, in a lot of cases, an identity line. I'm not as big, you know, as far as what they do on offense. I think you have to chip in, and, and you're, you're trying to create something with the fourth line, a look, you know, a feel, an identity, and I think Ryan Reeves is somebody that, that helps create that. So I'm not as big on, like, oh, you have to bench him, and they've looked, you know, so much better without him. Granted, you know, they've been good. I think that's a lot of law. And, and no sick and, and how well that they've played right now. But I think the, the biggest thing is that all of a sudden Pete DeBoer has options where, you know, maybe before he had six guys and he's trying to squeeze the, you know, every ounce of, of offense and every ounce of, of something that he can out of them, where now he's got, you know, some guys in some competition and some different things that he can mix and match and, and try to find some chemistry with. So, 
you know, going forward, I, I think that's a, you know, a positive for them. And if, if Nosek and Walk continue to score at the rate they have, then all of a sudden you feel much better about the Golden Knights' depth and secondary scoring, you know, entering the playoffs. Well, Dave Shane from the Review Journal, Golden Knights writer, uh, listen, even if you're an old-school knuckle-dragger, you said you're used to calling it the Pacific Division. I'm used to calling it the Smythe Division. So, there you like, go. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I feel like I'm probably right there with you. So, uh, yeah. Golden Knights and the Sharks facing off tonight at T-Mobile Arena. Dave, we appreciate your time and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great night. Well, John... Golden Knights get another one of the uh, bottom feeders of the division here tonight, uh, but they've done a pretty good job of taking care of those teams for a while here. Do you think that is uh, accurate price, 235 240 You couldn't get me to take the other side of it. Yeah. Well, because I was talking, you know, you know, Andy McNeil, who covers hockey for us at VEASAN, he had said at a lot of the times more in, like, the key matchups with, like, a Colorado that he was surprised. Um, how low is not the proper term? But without lack of a better, for lack of a better term, how low the market was in terms of the discrepancy between Vegas and Colorado, the market had a little bit more respect for Vegas, or excuse me, for Colorado than he thought it probably should in the matchup with like a Vegas. And I think part of what we've seen also is that we haven't seen those two teams fully healthy going yeah. up against each other this year. But you talk about Golden Knights at home. Just start with Golden Knights at home. You're usually talking about at least a two dollar favorite, unless they're a team that uh, you know talking about a team like Colorado or like Minnesota. And this San Jose team, while they have been playing better of late, still not really on the level of those other teams. So Bar Canada's a spot. Make sure you come down and watch all the VGK action. Puck drops later tonight, and we will be here until eight o'clock. Grabbing some drinks, eating some food, and watching everything that the sports night has for us. Grab back when we come back. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. You got our famous grab bag sounder, Demon, or are we flying flying free on this one too? All right, we'll, we'll go. I thought we were going to get right, some or, Green. I, I actually, I vote for. We have the famous grab bag, grab bag sounder. I vote Demon just starts firing buttons. Like who knows what that it would is. be awesome. Who knows what it's going to be? Just pick something. Just reach into there and just don't even just look. Fire. Oh, he's going to do it. No, he's not. Oh, he's come oh, on. God, he's us to move on. He's getting shot. What, what, what do you think? We buried something in the system that would embarrass you? Yeah. No, come on. Yeah, it's not like any of us here would be unprofessional enough to drop an expletive or throw it into the. Uh, come on now. That yeah. wouldn't happen. In the junkyard dog. Yeah, all right, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping he'd accidentally play something that was like six minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, get out of here. Uh, all right. Really quickly, Bark Canada is a spot. Again, we're going to be here until 8 o'clock this evening. So for the next two hours, make sure you come down. Uh, disclaimer, just because we're sitting here does not mean we're Canadian. The man who walked up assumed that I was Canadian because I was sitting at Bark Canada. So Maybe it was because he heard you talking hockey a few minutes ago. Very true. He was like, man, that guy knows his that stuff. That guy knows his pucks. Yeah, that guy. The round rubber, or I don't know. What's what's is there a, nick, <laughs> is, is, there a is there a nickname for the hockey puck? <laughs> how about how about we just move on? It's I mean, technically it's not round, not but round. it's round. It's not but, round. Like you're only halfway there. No, no, not true. It's circular shaped. How about the biscuit? Put the biscuit in the basket. Biscuit, biscuit in the basket. All right, I like it. It's a very big basket, though. That's why you need big guys playing goal. Uh. 
Thin Mints up on the top shelf. All you right. know, Calm that's down. Uh, there you go. The BK Chicken. That's a good one. The Burger King Chicken from the Chicken Fries commercial. It's an old school one. I pulled that one myself back in the day. Uh, all right. We have a lot of sport ball going on here. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks in the uh, Phoenix. I was about to say Coyotes. Got hockey on the brain, bro. Phoenix Suns, 46-42. Suns are up on like top. you. 3-26 left to go. Full-blooded Canadians. Uh, and then my Pistons, 88-83. Up on top of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I could roll through the rest of the scoreboard, or I could just give you the games that I care about. Come what on, Senate. Come on, Senate. What else we got, Damon? Big whoop. Want to fight about it? Yeah, I do. That's yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I mean, but let's be honest here. Did you see when we were talking vaccines earlier, and Damon tried to make it look like he was just tapping his arm where he get the shot, but Damon just wanted you to take a look at the gun show. There it is. Sleeves up. Oh, I mean, my God. I am so intimidated right now. For those who don't know what Damon looks like, you don't have a choice but to look at the gun show, especially with the shirts. Damon, they go a size up. No, I, hey. I don't think that's the largest shirt that they look, got. He got a, <laughs> look, he got a discount on the medium, and it's all he wears. <laughs> my shirts look tight, too, but not the cool way Damon's shirts look tight, you know? Looks good in a lesser way. All right, he, get back in there. Pick something. Come on. Fire. Yeah. Okay, there we go. The oh, Marshawn okay. Lynch. Yeah, I'm in. Okay, so we have this story about the Super League and soccer. So now everybody's rushing to get done on the story, but do it different ways. Andy Staples came out with a college football Super League. Adam Candy, you ready? Okay. Here we go. Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, LSU, any complaints so far? No, right? I mean, i got to watch, watch a lot of Bo Nix next year, but sure, yeah. okay, keep going. Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, USC, Penn State, Texas, and Nebraska. Get all the way <laughs> out of town. Get out of here. You, get, you take your Canadian self right back over the border with that idea. The last two schools, by the way. Texas? Come on. Yep. We're working on name there with Texas. They're back. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they are. And and uh, I, I think Scott Frost has discovered that Nebraska doesn't just get by on name alone. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah how on. would you like, by the way, do you think he's regretting that? What? He could still be with the uh, public school national champions. Ugh. Yeah. That's <laughs> Oh. That was shocking and scary. Hey, it wasn't that bad a take. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. That scared the crap out of me. I will not lie. I had looked away. The second that that happened, I thought I was in trouble of some sort. Uh, all right, what do I do tonight, boys? MLB The Show goes live at 9 p.m. Okay. Uh, is there a question as to what you would do? do like you fire been, it you've up been tonight? talking about it for four hours. Is there a question? Do I fire it up tonight or do I wait till tomorrow? What are you going to do otherwise? Fire it up tonight? Uh, I'll just say, like, you, you, like I'm assuming you're going to have Jazz Lakers on one TV, finishing that I was up. Say work. Show on the other. Yeah. Work. Say work. Yeah. Work. Well, just put. Put the Jazz Lakers on the TV and call it work. It's like you're signing for a business lunch because you talked about it for five minutes. I'm a little terrified because I'm actually not good at the game at all. I'm just going to get destroyed. You worried some 13-year-old is going to tell you that you're terrible? Yeah, or Ryan McKinnell, one of the two. going to do that all the time. You flipped the numbers there. Yeah, so, all right. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, I think we got to get out of here, right? we got like five seconds. Damon, thank you very much. We are all done. Cofield, the company. Remember, Bar Canada is a spot. We're here until 8 o'clock. Adam, thanks. We'll see you tomorrow.